and welcome to the Art and Science Punks podcast, where two lifelong learners talk about art, science, engineering, technology, and how we play with those things in our day-to-day lives. You can find us, the Art and Science Punks, on Twitter at ArtSciencePunks. I'm one of your punks, Kate Stenzinger, and with me tonight, and every night, is my amazing punk partner. Hey, I'm Rob Stenzinger. Tonight, we're excited. We're going to talk about design thinking. We're going to talk about design workshop techniques that we use uh, both at home and at work. Well, more more so you use them at work. I don't as much, but a little mm-hmm. bit. I think that um, some of the techniques have been sneaking into my um, day-to-day life professionally as well, mm-hmm. um, as well as a book that you've been reading. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that, just kind of how it relates to design thinking. Okay. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a big topic, and... Uh, our intent isn't to really cover it exhaustively, but to share some interesting uh, ways into it and some of, some of our experience. Absolutely. And I think it dovetails nice off the last two episodes where we talked about um, goal planning and reflection and how we work through those processes. And this, I think, is just another tool in our toolbox that we use, um, particularly when we're really stuck on some, um, with something uh going on in our lives or not going on in our lives. And, and mm-hmm. we, um, want to work through that. Hmm. Okay. So, but before we do that, if I could, Oh, you, you certainly can. As I innocently think we're about to jump into our topic. No, we're not. I have, I have a quick question and it's kind of a surprise question. Okay. Um, I don't know why I say kind of, but it's kind of a surprise question. Okay. So I'm curious if you can, uh, tell me about a recent time when you feel like you successfully balanced your life, work, creativity, parenting, <laughs> <laughs> you know, even if it's just for a moment or an afternoon mm. uh, or something. But and the reason I ask, Grabby, is it's one of the things that I think we want to really kind of bring mm. to the podcast. You know, we talk a lot about, you know, different aspects of our lives, our pa- our personal passions, our family passions, the different creative creative things we like to do. Mm. And I think one of the biggest challenges we face is finding balance, finding balance, being parents, being professionals, being, you know, individual people with um, a lot of interests, Mm. Um, being a good friend, being a good, you know, aunt and uncle and et cetera, et cetera. Mm. So that's why I ask. So your question is when, let's see, what's an example of, or what it felt like when, and yeah, well, I, I just I think I left found it. balance. Yeah, I think I left it okay. a little vague. If you want to talk about what it was or how you felt, okay. But just tell me about a recent time when you did feel like you successfully balanced. Hmm. I okay. <laughs> I mean, it's. It, I think it, it. I like your question, and I'm I'm wrestling with it. the The idea of balance has not been on my goals for probably more than five years, if not seven or eight, because, because I I don't expect things to be, um, proportioned in a way that somehow the metaphor of a scale evening out is, is is like a a useful reference for me. That's right. You have a different construct when it comes uh, to this. I forgot about that. Well, and, and, and I, I don't have like, well, no, I'm going to replace your question with a different question or a different metaphor <laughs> or um, 
I'm just saying like like balance actually was in at, at one point or for you know I, I'd say a good number of years this the it, this seemingly desirable concept mm-hmm. that somehow if I balanced life and work and relationships friendship uh, finance and all whatever kind of like life role chief concern however I was defining it at you know because um, I. I mean, ever since uh, some some conversations with a close friend uh, in like many years ago that led me to be inspired to build an application that ended up being called uh, Personal Evolution. And I was like, how do you how do I keep track of things and what's useful as far as like areas of concern for like what divide how, how do how do I divide up and categorize like the things I I am I I am connected to and that I need to address in my life or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I've been thinking of thinking about that um, for quite some time. And especially in though, even in those days, I thought of balance a lot and never really th- um, could really could point to like, oh, and this is why that that would be a great thing. And so at some point I, I stopped being as concerned about it. And so um, is it distorting your question to say that, well, if I um, feeling at peace with different commitments and sure. Okay. I can see that being a, a reframe of the question. That makes Is sense it? to me. Okay. Hmm. Feeling peace with I would say, uh, I, that's, it's so hard to pick out one, one time. Mm-hmm. And I think for some reason I'm thinking of, uh, vacation from this summer and then oh, also, sure. uh, you know, going through the holiday time where I, I did take a little bit of time off of my, uh, my primary gig. And that was, um, because it felt good that, well, I had, I had been accomplishing what I was setting out to accomplish there. And then f- being freed up as far as, well, this is part of the arrangement of being, Oh, like I mean, it's good to if you are a full time employee and you have the benefit of vacation, right? It you should take it. You should, and not always just for some other obligation. Yeah, sometimes I mean, take it for an obligation to yourself. Oh gosh, yeah, exactly. So yeah. I would say roughly that because then it, it seemed like, well, that spinning plate is fine because this is part of the arrangement, and I was able to then focus more on you know, sort of family things and then sure. and that sort of year-end reflection and planning and, and such. And it was like, yeah, I have the bandwidth to do this. And it felt, uh, it felt great. But, um, but yeah, balance is a pretty elusive thing. So, yeah. I, but I did feel um, comfortable with my commitments. Excellent. Well, thank you for sharing. I was um, one that was kind of floating around in my mind. Okay, cool. Uh, right. <laughs> Thank you for that question. Yeah. Well, and we'll, we'll continue to kind of bring that forward and talk about that kind of as, um, in other weeks of the podcast too, awesome. but let's jump into design thinking. Okay. Do you want to start by explaining what design thinking is? I'll, I'll get, uh, yes, I will give it a shot. Thank I, you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, design thinking is, um, a way of, it's a term to describe how skills and practices associated with uh, defining problems and reframing problems in, in the area of design 
can be um, beneficial to a person, a team, a project, a product. And it includes a variety of practices that are about, well, let's find a way to understand a situation and understand the people affected by the situation and maybe even focus all on the people and then see what we think of after after we feel connected and then it's a very like user focused thought process right so focus on the thought process is a fantastic way to describe it because it's it's instead of well all of us we see problems we see uh things challenges we feel them and then you might have an immediate response of saying i know what to do to fix this sure and honestly the that 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 can help and it would be part of like a design thinking process but then if you're really getting involved and participating you would um be in a mindset of that's okay if that's only an assumption and it might not be the solution and then through the 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 exploration and i think that's where the friction happens right oftentimes i mean even for me personally right if i have an idea and a um, a solution in mind, and and I think that's something that the the design thinking process really does is it kind of causes you to question those um, solutions or roadblocks. Even you know what I mean? Like how often have you worked on a project where you know X, Y, or Z isn't possible because of you know B, mm-hmm. and you know challenging that is be really the roadblock that's that's it i mean it's really more of a process of thinking and participation in exploring solutions and that can help individuals and groups and and in groups it's it's really just somehow making it okay to not have to be right right away and that that is um i mean that's a big trick when i'm playing the role of facilitator in professional situations. Right. One of the hugest things that, that I think can be of help when you're, you're exploring a problem is to make it okay to not know and to separate ourselves from, from the, um, traditional mechanisms that, that help us define what to do next, like sort of managing ourselves and each other and stuff where, um, if I'm doing a design thinking workshop, I try to say, well, hey, super honored that you're here and mm-hmm. participating in this. I want to to um, to see all of us be our whole selves as human beings. Right. That, that can sound like that. That sounds way more hippie and awesome. flowery. It, and I, I believe in it <laughs> with all my being. But yet um, I try to make it OK to hear that kind of thing and also uh, and, and to question it and to try to encourage people to not say, well, yes, I'm a manager and of so-and-so who's also here at the workshop because that will hurt both of them. To throw the hierarchy in there immediately? To throw the hi- exactly. Okay, sure. Where you're like, well, I'm supposed to be right. I'm the manager. So that's a yeah. certain kind of pressure that, that might might hurt your creative process. And also like the, the person who's who's like, well, my se- the, the sense of what is right is filtered uh, from someone that is not me. So how do I even say anything and participate in this in a safe way? So like design thinking is, is, is in sort of professional worlds is, is um, 
making it okay to explore and question and problem solve and, uh, you know, some methods around that. So how do we take that into, you know, our personal lives? I said, we often use some of these techniques when we're feeling particularly stuck. And, and that's a little different than kind of, I think what you described is having, you know, a problem with some end users, um, cause I'm the problem and I'm the end user sometimes. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. Same with me. There's a, uh, sometimes I encounter resources that give me better language, uh, that I, so I want to borrow from a book I recently read that, that you, you hinted at. It's, it's called, um, designing your life how to build a well-lived, joyful life. Which, on one hand, my critical thinking mind is sort of saying, uh-oh, red alert, someone's telling you how to think and all that kind of stuff. And somehow painting it in a way of, of um, here's, here's somehow a seemingly easy path to magical, better future. Yeah, and happiness. Ooh. Which, you know, that sounds great. Mm-hmm. But like, that's my job. That's not this book's job. And right. I'm like, this book can't magically fix that for me. Yet, uh, that book, uh, the reason why I, I did actually um, get it and read it is that it, it comes from a, a pretty, a source that I trust a lot, which is the, the Stanford Design School. Nice. And that is a place where a lot of, it's a, sort of an epicenter, one of the epicenters of, of design thinking. And um, some, I've learned a ton from that. So I'm, I, I was, I'm a, that, that alone makes me open to saying this might be a good resource and the one of the things from that that came from that is um as far as bringing it into our lives personally um it's uh building and designing your way forward and that Mm -hmm. may be a misquote but like you're when you're stuck and things are ambiguous and stressful and there's this this puzzle that seems insolvable that if well what if there was a way to uh not only see it from the the stuck position. Right. What if there's another way to see it? Yeah. And it it's something that we experimented with like back in June. And yeah. that's and that was sort of um that was the extra signal too where where because we had uh, we had we'd used some of these techniques before, but like yep. we did a full on design wor- workshop. We did you know, doing some troubleshooting, problem solving kind of stuff and, and, and looking at creative alternatives and, and, you know, getting new perspective. Yeah. And it was incredibly helpful. I remember it being a very useful, I mean, we reference back to it all the time. It was an incredibly useful ex- experience. I know at that time I was feeling very stuck with a couple of just patterns that we have and, mm-hmm. and scheduling and workload and, and these different things that we had going on in our lives. And we just, you know, sat down um, the way we approach the design workshops is we have um, sharpies and post-it notes, um, lots and lots and lots of post-it notes in in all sorts of different colors, and we kind of work through um, a series of different question exercises. And yeah, that that series it's it helps guide you through um, a series of reframing and exploration to hopefully have new ways of looking at the problem. Maybe yeah. not like an exact solution or what have you, but then with, uh, that's where I really enjoy the, the sort of, um, 
enriched and nourished and tested perspective of, of that, that book, uh, designing your life, because I mean, it's been a class for years at, at Stanford and this is sort of the, the general population version of of sharing that. I didn't realize it had been, uh, like an actual semester long course. I believe so. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And, and, and that, uh, that's where they're, I'm, I'm a fan of like, well, you don't need some voice of authority to say, well, this is particularly how you face this, right. this concern. It's totally valid to explore your own way of, of problem solving and, and taking something that you felt worked in one venue and saying, what, what would this be like here? Mm. And that's what we've that's done. That's what we did. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk through the, the design um, aspect or the, the thinking aspect of it. Oh, sure. Um, just to give people kind of an idea of, of how they can apply this to their own lives. Do you want to go through the, the stages of what we did? Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. And um, just to kind of frame it up and I'll let you kind of talk through the stages just because I feel like you have, well, you've or led me through it the, very, for the first time. Um, but again, as I mentioned with all the different colored post-it notes and the Sharpies and also the other thing I think that was important was a timer. Um, and so we'd start with, um, the, you know, the very first piece being, you know, really identifying what's going on. So gathering the information, you know, just Mm -hmm. gathering, um, in, in my case, it was, you know, where, where are you feeling stuck or what's the problem? Mm -hmm. And three minutes, five minutes, it's a short period of time. How, how much time do you, do you have for the overall session? It wasn't quite one minute. One minute's a little cruel. I remember it was it, it was short enough though that it made us feel like we needed to just buzz in and write fast. Yeah, and th- which was good because yeah. you didn't stop to think everything through. Or I did. I should say I, I shouldn't say it's you. Huge. I didn't stop to think everything through. I feel like on that very first one, I feel like you. Did I'm guessing one it was. I. <laughs> I feel like you did one. I'm pretty minute. sure it was like three minutes or something or two minutes. I, one minute is super harsh yeah. and I rarely use one minute. That's why, that's oh, why okay. I'm like, eh, that's, um, just, just sort of my a rule of thumb. Um, if, if, if I use a one minute or less, I'm really trying to, um, this and an extra push. Okay. Why would you do that? Why you, you might have all day set aside more time. This, this sounds stingy. And honestly, it's a, the, the reason is it, it's a, it's a benefit for your creative process because yep. you don't have a chance to edit yourself. Yeah. The filter, the filter kind of goes out the window where, oh, that's going to sound dumb or I don't want to say that just yet, or, um, I'm too afraid to say that. So, okay. The first session or the first section, you know, um, spending two, three minutes writing down what's going on, what's mm-hmm. the problem you're trying to solve. Getting some of those ideas out of your head. And with that focus of like, well, these are concerns. This is the frustration. This is the, this is what, um, seems to be signaling stuck. Yep. All right. Then where do we go from there? Well, then you think about, um, okay. So facing that stuff, what are your hopes and fears? And that's one of my favorite parts. Hmm. Um, so I think we took and kind of maybe grouped, the concerns or group the what's mm-hmm. into a couple of different groups and then had, you know, one color post-it note for hopes and a different color post-it note for fears. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, at that point, okay, so it's you and I doing it and, and we're together. We know each other very well. So it was, I think a little, um, 
it was still scary to be vulnerable, but I think it was um, also a little easier to, to just be able to say that, yep, here's what my hopes and fears are. And I remember I would have one fear and I would just write it over and over and over again. Again, the timer was going and there was this pressure. It's a little bit like if, if you've done the sort of uh, writing practice ritual or experiment where if you say, I'm going to get some chunk of words out of my head in this chunk of time and you've more or less signed a contract with yourself and you can totally break the contract. You, nothing's forcing you to keep right. it. But like something is something about this arrangement is attractive and you really want to see something come out of it. And yeah. so that's this sort of thing urging you on of, well, I guess I'm here and I, I don't know what's going to come of this. And then hopefully if, if, if you are doing this with a friend or you for, you know, like someone's helping you uh, be, you know, facilitate your way through this. I hope that, that, that encouragement and energy and, and care and urgency and all this stuff that, that they can share is um is like this this thing you can grab onto and say all right well yeah and you just let it out and just let it out i mean it felt really good yep and it was i mean there were things i didn't want to say out loud and and and, you know and that's why there's two categories it's not just like here's well now that we're just talking stuff there's hopes yeah okay what fits in hopes and there's fears Fears. what What, is a fear yeah What what are you afraid of that that clarity is a huge benefit. And I think it's a big um, component of getting unstuck, right? If you can actually name the hopes and fears, because you know, not every one of them I feel like I had a good handle on what were my hopes and fears, but if you can actually name the hopes and fears of anything you're um, really battling or are stuck on, I think it's going to um, help you see a little more clearly what you can launch forward, how you can launch forward. And if, if the how isn't apparent, at least you, you have a, a perspective on where you would like it to be different. Absolutely. And. Absolutely. That's a great point. Then, All right. Okay. So where do we go from hopes and fears? From hopes and fears, then you would capture the ideal journal entry. So let's say you have a journal and let's say that, um, well, there's a giant success in this um in your, in your progress and in, in getting toward what you want to see have happen, describe it. This isn't, this is, you're capturing it in your, in your journal. And, uh, what's funny is, yeah, there's, and I think what we did is, um, the headline, right? So we didn't, you didn't actually sit and write a whole, I didn't, I didn't sit and write a whole journal entry, but just kind of a main concept or the headline of the journal entry. Yeah. Another step is uh, what's in the way. So what is stopping you from getting to that journal entry? What, what, um, is there something blocking you or like causing the fear or stopping the hope and uh, preventing that ideal journal entry? Yep. What's in the way? I think it's a good question. And I like how we worked through it. You know, mm-hmm. what, what's, what's in the way? can go many different places, time, resources, um, thought patterns. Oh, it's a, no doubt. And a lot of it is you're just, you know, you can be stuck on a thing yeah. and then you can dig at it a little bit and, and ask why a lot. And that's a good chance for there. There's an exercise called the five whys and I forget where it comes from. I think design thinking took it from somewhere else. Sure. And it's essentially root cause analysis to say, well, all right, what causes this and what causes that? Why, why, why? And then, 
um, that helps you get more insight on like, well, are you really stuck or, you know, or are you in your own way? And and Mm -hmm. I, again, am I in my own way? Cause that's, Mm -hmm. you know, oftentimes what, what you learn through these processes or at least what I've learned when we've done it is that I'm, I'm in my own way and I don't need to be. And so there's some, um, I'm just going to, for myself, I can call it some goofy fear um, blocking me. Hmm. Well, yeah, I guess it's easy to characterize our own fears as, as something like that. When you, when you get that additional insight and perspective, yeah. um, I want to, so ideal journal entry is, is that I just want to mention too, like that is a, uh, a cool technique that is called uh, design fiction. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And so design fiction is, um, is a way of like, well, how do you want the future to be? And just that, that's a neat thing to hold on to. And that, you know, maybe you are doing a bit of creative writing, but it does get you, um, kind of hmm. writing your own story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you get to be the hero of your own story with the outcomes that you want. That, yeah, that's exactly, yeah, exactly. So you, from there, then you can, so you've opened up to like, where could things be? And now you're getting toward the end of the process of, and again, this is like our own, like, like yeah. this, this, this was our homegrown informed by light you know, version. Yeah. Essentially various exercises I've done in, in workshops and participating workshops and leading workshops, all that kind of stuff for, for design thinking and, uh, just sort of picking and choosing. So like as you explore design thinking, you may come up with your own recipes for, exp- you know, navigating like, Oh, this is a great way to you know get way more um, perspective and unbox the assumptions toward how you could proceed, you know. In, but your own style. Um, but the thing that wrapped up the style we ended up yeah. coming up with that um, that helped Kate uh, last summer, but then also helped me and like a week ago. Uh, because then Kate actually facilitated a similar uh, <laughs> I ran you through the paces. You did. <laughs> um, is is uh, essentially uh, what would the last step would be? What would make? What would it take to make what you want to see happen possible? So, what would it take? Yeah. What does it take to get there? Mm-hmm. And so you may end up in the whole "what would it take" gener- generative experience of like, okay, let's take two minutes. Uh, or five minutes or what have you, depending on however you've sliced up your time boxing and say, well, what, what would it take? But then as you start capturing stuff on your post-it notes, it's going, or whatever method you choose, um, it's a, uh, it's going to somehow when you look back at that, at it after that few minutes is it's going to be goals. That's, projects, tasks. Absolutely. That's, I think, what the coolest thing when we did it midsummer for me um, that came out of it was having goals and tasks almost, um, uh, I feel silly saying this, but almost like a little mini project plan mm-hmm. for the things that I wanted to work on. Well, and feeling stuck. And then seeing a way forward at the end of it of like, whether, like let's say this, this whole thing took a half hour, 45 minutes, 60 minutes, whatever. If it's too much longer than that, that's, it's worth, you know, 
trying to make it less than that because yeah, I think there's something very beneficial about time boxing it and yeah. keeping it to that 45 minute. You're probably letting too much time in to then let people or let yourself um, start to sort of edit and you know yeah be distracted. Um, but at the end of it, uh, here you go. Like like you had this stuck feeling in the beginning. At the end of it chances are you have created and designed a way to move forward. Right. And then with the, the, the book that, that, that I mentioned earlier, there's um, essentially you, you've, you've come up with things that you could build and test. So what if those tasks oh, interesting. aren't so just test. now an assignment to then probably accomplish that thing? What if there were multiple paths that you wanted to try so you're not stuck again? Right. So giving yourself kind of um, multiple options mm-hmm. in each of those areas. Oh, that's a neat idea. Because even in that last stage, this is that this is a nuance that I've gathered from reading the book. Even in that, in that last stage, you might have um, d- different ways that you could go that you could try to go about accomplishing that. And what if you gave yourself the chance to try those different ways so that you didn't get stuck again? I love it. I love the idea of, you know, giving, and even the way you said that, honey, um, giving yourself a chance to try different things, you know, allowing yourself the opportunity, knowing I'm going to try this, I'm going to test it. And if it doesn't work, I'm going to try something else and test that Mm -hmm. as opposed to, all right, here's the one thing I can go and do. Mm -hmm. And it's probably not going to work. You know what I mean? Like that kind of (laughs) shift in attitude. (laughs) Sure. Um, So speaking of the book, I have a question for you. What concept from the book um, has caused you like the biggest shift in your thinking? The the sort of parallel path thing, where oh, that I, you just talked about, yeah, that that right there oh, because it was sort of the the workshops that we tried. That's one big ingredient missing is looking at the um, other possibilities that help bring about the thing you're trying to get toward and that the thing you're trying to get toward may also have different permutations and whatnot. So it's not about being stuck on either how, what you're doing to get there. Also, what is there? Um, my paraphrasing. Yeah. So for instance, there's, um, uh, I, I will be doing some misquoting here. I believe, so it's called like multiple, essentially multiple future options. Oh, sure. So you might think you, like, what are you going to work on at this, at the next stage in your life? Um, A lot of times we have this one thing in mind, but then if we don't explore it and question it, uh, we may be pretty stressed out because we didn't realize we had other things or uh, that that were important to us so okay for me it's been constantly evolving my um my relationship with like i want to make video games right Mm -hmm. and partially naturally partially because i've become more and more of a of a um and uh, a flexible designer over time that uh like what that means to me and how I go about accomplish it, accomplishing it has have naturally changed. This book makes that like really, it's like baked into their process. So that is pretty neat. The sort of um, 
like test multiple paths. Test multiple paths. Yeah. Everything from like designing the game or accomplishing the game. Uh, yes. That's cool. Yeah. And it's, it has influenced me. Like, like what I'm thinking about building this year based on my goal planning, I've, I've been considering, well, what if I'll just admit, like for instance, um, one thing I have been stuck on and I have avoided over the years, I was a C sharp programmer at one point in my life. Yeah. And, um, not your favorite. Well, for a variety of variety of reasons and, and, uh, you know, languages are cultures and you know, there's different things that sure. based on where I was at, I was, uh, having a bit of cognitive dissonance because I didn't really dig the culture surrounding it. But yeah, it, the, the language was, you know, not really, it wasn't its fault. So overall though, uh, once I stopped playing, you, know, you know, working in C sharp, I said in, in a way, never again. And I'm, I'm done with that. Capital okay. D done. Capital D. Walking away. No thanks, right? Mm-hmm. And as I'm examining, like, what possible way to to work on games and like Unity, 3D yeah. keeps coming up as a and and I've explored it and played with it and I've designed, I've done, I've 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 been in in the UX role for designing apps that were implemented in that, and so I'm like it's been in my, you know, Periphery. my realm for for a, a number of years, and. But yet the primary first class language for working with it and the one that the whole like majority of the community has adopted, of course, is C sharp. C sharp. And that was like, well, guess we're not going to do a thing, Unity. Sorry. <laughs> but yet looking at all sorts of other ways, reframing the problem and whatnot and saying. Looking and, at multiple paths forward. And even then, like one of the multiple paths path is me going saying, me saying, what if I just said I, I don't mind C sharp anymore. What if mm-hmm. I said that? What happens to me? You know, and very cool. Did you say that? Yeah. And what happened to you? I'm exploring that right now. That's awesome. That's yeah. To be determined. That's awesome. So at what point in reading the book did you say Kate needs to read this? <laughs> Cause you have. And- yeah. And I'm about to start it. I haven't yet. And I'm mm-hmm. very I'm very much looking forward to it because you've spoken highly of it. But at what point in the book or what was it about the book? It was, yeah, really gaining an appreciation for it's like a more robust version of what we, we were doing. Uh-huh. And then since we just literally within the same week is when I read that book, like you did that workshop yeah, uh, for me. And then I read the book that week and I was like, holy moly, this is like, this is a very... Um, approachable and worthwhile upgrade to what we've been, how we've been tackling that. Fantastic. Well, I can't wait to read it. Cool. Anything else on design thinking that you want to share with the group? The group. The group. The group. All of you here in this room. Hi, everybody. No. (laughs) (laughs) No. uh, I, I, I think that design thinking is thinking, but it has a certain sort of uh, meta aspect to it where, where, you and you are invited to think about your thinking and try to help get yourself unstuck because of that s- tweak, right? That's fantastic. And I think... And it's worthwhile and it's approachable. Yeah, worthwhile and approachable are, are keys to the process. And my own personal philosophy of, you know, life's too much fun 
to sit around being stuck. Mm. Yeah. And it, using those techniques will help you get unstuck. Yeah. So I'm excited for the book. I can't wait to read it. Um, I'll let po- um, the group know what I think of <laughs> Maybe it. Maybe that's our audience's name now. Like, you hey, art group. and science punks. You're, you're not like the mosh pit. No, you're anything. the group. The group. <laughs> hey, well, at Art and Science um, Punks, we do have a, a new segment um, starting tonight on episode 10, mm-hmm. um, where we're going to talk about, we're going to have an art and a science pick each week. Mm-hmm. At least that's the hope. That's the goal. Um, so I have a science pick tonight. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. Science. Science. Mm-hmm. That I'm kind of excited about. So my science pick this week is orange. I'm not going to say it right. Orange buoyancy. Am I close? Is that an orange in the ghost costume? <laughs> <laughs> buoyancy? Buoyancy. I, I only am uh, doing... <laughs> anyway, the door was open. The door was open. Uh, yeah. I couldn't get it out. Anyway. All right. So orange buoyancy. Um, yeah. And this is from Plato to Plato's website. Um, and we'll put a link in that in the show notes. But this is a, a really cool... Um, science experiment that you can do with your family where you have you know a pitcher of water and you ask the children we do a lot of this um, sink or float Mm. right a lot of activities around sink or float sink or float and you know the bathtub is obviously one of our place favorite places to play sink or float Um, and we've done a lot of things of you know building boats and seeing how much you can put in the boat before they Mm -hmm. sink you know with tinfoil and all those different kinds of things so we like tinfoil boats we like sink or float activities so um, plus anytime you can get water out and make a big mess, it's yeah it's, bonus for the kids. Oh yeah. So you take an orange and you say, is this going to sink or float? And let them kind of examine and explore and think that through. Um, well, an orange will float. So you put the orange in the water and it will float. So that's cool. Then you take the orange back out and have the children peel the orange and say, okay, now is it going to sink or float? And when you put the orange back in, the orange will actually sink. Mm. So the peeled orange sinks and the, the whole non-peeled orange floats. Hmm. Um, but yet, in some ways, that may be unintuitive. Right. And to, that's, that's the whole like, reason that it's to fun. Someone sort of like, hey, ha, uh, this is what I think before the experiment. Right. So oftentimes, and, um, oftentimes the... Um, kids will say, well, yeah, it's got less mass now, so it's going to continue to float, hmm. right? We've taken the peel off. It's smaller. It's lighter. Um, it will continue to float. Mm-hmm. But in fact, what happens is is the orange peel has um, little air pockets in it, and that's what holds the, the orange up. And the comparison, on the on, um, again, at the website that I thought was really cool was, you know, you person get into the water and you're going to sink but put your life vest on and you're you know you're not any smaller in mass but you're going to float you know same kind of a thing with the um the orange Hmm. that's a cool experiment and uh i wonder i wonder if it works with uh because we don't often have oranges in our house but we do often have like clementines or like those smaller um, mm-hmm. citrusy things. I wonder if it works with those too. We'll have to try that. Yeah. Yeah. Or limes or lemons or I mean, I, I guess if it why not? Any, right. Any with any citrus. rind-based fruit. Yeah. Okay, cool. We'll, we'll have to try that. Yeah, so we'll, we'll play around and we'll experiment with Sink or Float, the fruit edition. <laughs> so that's my science pick for the science week. Science pick. Okay. 
So I have an art pick for this week. Awesome. And it is an application uh, called Spriter Pro. Spriter. Yeah, Spriter, Spriter Pro. And this is something that um, I guess there's this, it, it, it's a hybrid-y thing because it requires a computer and, you know, a desire to get into animation and whatnot, then chances are to use that animation, you're going to be doing some coding because Spriter Pro is all about um, making uh, the like tweens and animate and, and almost imagine like a drawing. Teenagers. Yeah, tw- pre-teenagers. Right, pre-teenagers <laughs> animating them. No, <laughs> not really. That's what uh, Disney Channel is for. So, <laughs> uh, what this, what Spider Pro is for, is is taking things that, um, like, imagine a puppet or a marionette, where you have sort of a, a head, a neck, and like two sections of of an arm, a torso, legs in two sections sure, in upper like a mari- and lower yeah, yeah, marionette. That's a good um, analogy. And then saying like, well, I want to make that thing move around in a convincing way where like maybe it's doing um, karate kicks or um, doing some, some, some tumbling or jumping because I want to put that in a, in a video game, right? Well, Sprite Pro lets you create these um, these animations by importing your different uh, parts of your puppet, if you will, um, and then then moving them around in in a timeline that lets lets them like do anything you want them to, and in fact, like you could have them holding props or wearing armor or whatever. So you can do like an actual few second animation mm-hmm. that you can then put into your project and loop it. Totally. Cool. You can actually, like, I think you can make, like, animated GIFs with it and whatnot, too, so it doesn't have to end nice. up in a, in a video game. But, like, I mean, chances are if you're putting the, this sort of, you know, you're, you're into this kind of tool, that may be maybe why you're um, working with it. And it's, um, it's actually compatible with uh, Unity. Hey. Yeah. Now, is this an iOS, is this a... Um like for your phone, for your iPad, for your computer. Oh, it's for a desktop OS. So for you're you're looking OS. at um, either Windows or Mac. Okay, but you can use it on either. Yeah, and there you go. So you can animate little characters and uh, bring them into other projects or make animated gifs. So excellent, Spriter well, Pro. Spriter Pro, I yeah. love it. I bought my co- copy off of uh, Steam, right? Oh, okay, yeah. sure. So there, yeah, but you can get it right off of their website, which it is, their website is brashmonkey.com. Brash monkey. Mm-hmm. Nice. We'll have to put a link to that in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So those were our picks. Excellent. Well, that wraps us up for today. We are the Art and Science Punks coming to you each week with stories of art, science, and creativity. And sometimes, you know, successes of balancing personal passions with work and family. Um, <laughs> Well, group, I hope you've had a good time tonight. We'll talk to you next time. (laughs) 